Are you ready to manage your work and personal world better to live a fulfilling, productive life? Then you've come to the right place. Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things productivity. Here are your hosts, Ray Sidney Smith and Augusto Pinaud, with Francis Wade and Art Gelwicks. Welcome, everybody, to Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things personal productivity. I'm Ray Sidney Smith, and I'm joined with my co host, Augusto Pinaud. How's it going, Augusto? It's going well. Good morning. Hello, hello, and. We have Art Gelwicks with us today. How's it going, Art? Doing pretty well so far, guys. How about you guys? I am doing well. I'm glad to hear you're doing well. And we're going to hope that our listeners are doing well. And in this cast, we are going to talk about organizing. And we're going to be talking about it in the GTD flavor, getting things done by David Allen flavor in this series that we've been ongoing. And we're going to talk about the idea of what is organizing? How do we define organizing, at least in the context of getting things done? We'll then talk about how each of us organizes our projects, next actions, and other items, whether that be in a traditional list or otherwise. And then we're going to talk about some of the challenges that we know people face in getting organized in GTD, and then maybe how to overcome them, or at least uh, commiserating with you about (laughs) the travails of getting organized in GTD. So let's start off with the definition of getting organized. David Allen basically says, he says, having a total and seam, I'm quoting now out of the book, having a total and seamless system of organization in place gives you tremendous power because it allows your mind to let go of lower level thinking and graduate to intuitive focusing, undistracted by matters that haven't been dealt with appropriately. But your physical organization system must be better than your mental one in order for that to happen. So being organized means nothing more or less then where something is matches what it means to you. So that's getting organized in David Allen's uh, definition. And I'll add a little bit more here to this art, and then I'll turn it over to you in the sense that I I was recently reading an article by by Francisco Says, who is the proprietor of Facile Things, the the software, the uh, GTD-inspired software manager. And... He starts off his article here with something that's actually very salient. He says, quote, while some people believe that GTD is a personal management system, somewhat complicated to implement, the truth is that it's extremely simple. Technically, it's just about managing lists. And that's something that is available to all of us. Lists let you capture an inventory of all your activities and review it when necessary, end quote. So, in, in essence, Francisco is absolutely right. David Allen is basically saying here that what you want to do is to be able to have a, an external physical system, whether that's physical or digital, but basically an external system that should be airtight so that your, your mind can relax. And it is really all about managing lists. I do agree with that very much. It is absolutely about managing lists, but the problem is, is that the term list almost creates a difficulty because it, I, I can't help but go back to that old chestnut, a place for everything and everything in its place. When you're doing like physical decluttering, that's one of the things that comes up. And mental organization of your content has to have some sort of a physical component for it to be useful. I mean, we can't organize our the insides of our brain, no matter how hard we try. I mean, unless we're Sherlock Holmes and in our mind palace, it's not happening. 
So we have to have some sort of a construct that's helping us organize. So to me, defining that, following that chestnut of a place for everything in the th- and everything in its place really helps me galvanize around the organization piece. The problem I get into with that is not going down the rabbit hole of everything having its own spot really thinking about like the the chinese herbalist medicine cabinets where every little thing has a drawer that's almost to a level of minutia where it becomes unmanageable too so to me the organization is if you need something can you get to it can you find it without increasing your stress or your work but even that that's i don't know that that's necessarily a good definition organizing is for me is to be able to put the things in the place I'm going to find them where I need them, if that make any sense, is how you are going to get all that input and put it in a way that you are going to be able to find it in the easiest and most effective way when you're actually going to need it to do something about it. Right. I think the great example is Sean Acker in his book, and the, the name is escaping me now, but I'll put the link in the show notes. But he talks about this idea of being able to, and, and this has been a long kind of uh, rubric for many people, which is, you know, you put out your gym clothes in the morning, so you kind of stumble over them. You can't miss them in the morning when you have your clothes stacked right next to your bed, right? You put it on a chair next to your bed, on the floor next to your bed. And when you get up in the morning, they're there at your feet. So you're ready to to get dressed. In essence, that's a list. It's a trigger, right? It's, It's basically, you're incapable of missing it you know, unless you learn to levitate, you you should be able to see your clothes sitting there in front of you in the morning. And what you're kind of all talking about is the idea of doing that consistently across your entire world so that you are you have it available to you when you need it, where you need it. Additionally, when I when I talk and coach and work with people and they tell me, well, that organizing part is difficult. I tend to tell them, well, let's change the perspective on this and think that being organized, it's really a gift you are giving to yourself. Because you don't organize this stuff that, yes, is to find it on the on the moments you need it the most. Yes, is so you can be effective. Yes, is looking at, you know, if you pick that example, is looking at your calendar the night before and saying, geez, tomorrow I have a really packed day. And unless I do my exercise first thing in the morning, it's not going to happen. Then you re- quickly reorganize that. But being organized at the end of the day is nothing than a gift you are going to give to yourself or your future self in this case, because the reality is those things that you are putting in the system or you want to do it or you need to do it. And what better thing than being able to accomplish that on the best place? You know, there is nothing more exasperating, and this has happened to everybody, that goes to the grocery store, get get back home and discover you forgot milk, okay? Because milk was not in the list because you haven't processed or because you never write it down. And it is extremely frustrating. So 
you need to to change that perspective that it's not that being organized is hard or difficult or it's a kind thing that you are giving to yourself it's a gift that you are giving to yourself and when people see I suppose the people who is you know against this organization concept see it from that perspective instead of from the waste of time perspective then there is something that change about organizing themselves I wonder if it's because of the fact that people come across organization, they feel disorganized and therefore resist it because of past failure, basically the remnants of a negative emotion that are associated with their past not being kind or not giving the gift of organization to their future self. And and that kind of hangs us all up. I, I think that you're absolutely right, Augusto. You know, people can uh, very quickly and easily gain benefits of this gift to one's future self by just doing a little bit of organizing on occasion. And while, yeah, David Allen's concepts are ideal practices, they're not, they're not even best practices, they're ideal. The world's not ideal. Life is messy. And you need to be able to be flexible and adaptable to the messiness of life, which means that your your system won't always be airtight, but you're that's the goal. That's the that's the pinnacle. And 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 so I really do believe that we should all strive for it, but we're not really trying to achieve it one hundred percent of the time. And that gives yourself a little bit of leeway. Uh, I I just really believe in the Pareto principle, and uh, and and that's not just eighty twenty, right? It's a it's a malleable number. So. Really, for me, that's if it if it satisfies for me ninety five percent of the time. That's that leaves five percent when it's going to fail me. My organization is going to fail me. Then that's okay. I, I'm that I'm comfortable with that, and so I have satisfied to that level. You bring up an excellent point with that, though. If you parallel it to, uh, let's say, technology infrastructure systems, you have this concept of percentage of uptime. And the greater the percentage of uptime that you are, quote, guaranteeing, the more expensive it becomes. So if you're, you know, let's say you're hosting a website and you're guaranteed 95% uptime and you're paying for that, that means that you are committing yourself to understanding that you could potentially have 5% of your time where your website's down. If you think about that in relation to your organizational system, you could be absolutely right. I may be committing to wanting to have a 100% system, there's just, it's impractical. The cost and the effort outweigh the benefits at that level. Accepting the fact that the system may not be perfect and then working within those boundaries means that it'll have a much greater integrity and realistic use. So when you think about organizing your things, it's not organizing everything to a level of detail where you're trying to get to 99.999% uptime, but you're trying to get to an operable state of uptime where you know that if something should slip through the cracks, it's not going to be the end of the world. Agreed. The other thing, agreeing with, with art that happened, even when it fails, after you change the perspective and then organizing comes to be an active routine. And it's at the end, it's an active routine. You know, the 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 list, if you use the David Allen definition, you know, get out of date before you finish updating them. As sad as that sound. But it's the you gain the ability to to get back into that mythical place of 
or you feel that you have given that yourself that gift, that you feel that you now know what it is. And even the things that may fall out of the cracks, and, and they do sometimes, you know how to quickly recover so you can move forward. And the other thing that tend to happen is when those things fall through the cracks in general are a lot less critical than when you are not organized. Uh, and you can deal a lot better with uh, unexpected things. You know, I, I was sharing between us, you know, last night we were driving back home and a tire blow out. So that is a problem. Yes. It's something we need to take care of. Yes, but having that organization allows you to see everything that is in there and allows you to then make a decision about what you will need to renegotiate, what you will need to push back, what you will need instead of saying, oh, well, okay, that's fine. You know, let me just add another thing to the overwhelming I already had for Monday morning. And that really makes a difference. You all bring up really great points here, and and I wanted to actually touch on this. I wasn't planning on it, but I, I think this is actually very pertinent for us to discuss now. And the two university re- research professors, Francis Hylayan and Clement Vidal, uh, published a paper called uh, Getting Things Done, uh, The Science Behind stress-free productivity. And what they did was they outlined in one section the process and organize phases uh, of GTD workflow chart or the workflow diagram or map as uh, some people come to know it. And uh, they provide some really um, fundamental questions for how David Allen really has manifested the system and how, you know, some of the science behind it. But I wanted to just very, very briefly cover the questions that they have for where things get organized before we talk about our systems. They they have this where you collect stuff, which is the in-basket, right? And that's to some extent your collection practice that we talked about two episodes ago. Then we have the processing functions, which is quite honestly, uh, tied to organizing, right? You you have to do all of this work that we talked about in the last episode. And we, we talk about how we think about what the things are and decide the actions or projects associated with those things. And then they give us these questions. And so they say, if it comes into our in, in basket and we say, does it require action? And we say, no, we then need to ask the question, is it worth keeping? If it's no, it gets eliminated. It goes into trash. If we say yes to that question, we then ask the additional question, could it require action later? If the answer is no, it goes to reference. If the answer is yes, then it goes to someday maybe. And then we have to then put it in someday maybe and cue it for some other time for us to be able to reconsider it because now it's in incubation, right? It's being incubated and now needs to be that. That's the one side of it for does it require action? No. If it says, does it require action? Yes. Is is there more than one action needed? We determine the next action. If that next action will take less than two minutes, David Allen says to do it now. That means we're not we're not putting it anywhere. We're not organizing it anywhere because we just it's more work to track it, stack it, and maintain it than it is to just do it right now. So we go ahead and we do it right now. If the answer is no to will it take less than two minutes, then is it am I the right person to do this? That's the question we then ask. If the answer is no, we say delegate it. 
and that means that we delegate it, we make the affirmative delegation, then we go ahead and put that item on our waiting for list. Now, we then have to, of course, monitor that list to make sure that it gets done, but we put it on our waiting for list. If the answer is, am I, right, am I the right person to do this? Yes, then we defer it. And so now we're going to organize that to either our calendar or next actions list. Okay, and we'll talk about the difference between what goes on a calendar and what goes on next actions. Now, back up at the top again to does this need more than one action? If we say yes to that question, then that goes to our projects list. And then we go ahead and do the necessary planning. And then we determine the next action and we come back to the what's the next action? Will it take less than two minutes? Am I the right person to do this, et cetera, et cetera? Well, I'll place a link to this in the show notes and it's page five, uh, the, the flowchart that they've provided here. I think it's very, very useful to go through this mechanism, actually to have it just handy while you are organizing uh, because it gives you the appropriate questions to build the skill of organizing properly because it really does it does make a difference to be able to clearly know the questions to ask yourself at different parts of it. I wanted to kick into how each of us actually organizes and maybe going through our own systems in terms of these things. Let's talk about difference between organizing actions in the calendar versus in lists. Now, Many people have a misunderstanding. There's a, 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 a misunderstanding about what a calendar is, okay? So a calendar is a list. It just happens to be a list with a different view. And like many calendars, software, and physical, you know, analog calendar tools, you can have an agenda where the calendar looks like a list, you know, hour by hour. You can have it by day, week, month. You can even have a year-long calendar view. But the point is, is that a calendar is just a list of date times and a description of what is going to happen at that date and time. So a calendar is a list, just like any others. But they happen to be of what David Allen calls the hard landscape, because you can't change time. Only the things that you do in that time are fungible, but the time itself is not. So how do we decide the things that go into the calendar versus those things that go into other lists? And David Allen gives us three categories, and then I'd like to hear your, your, your thoughts on this, gentlemen. But he gives us three categories. One, of course, are actual appointments, meetings, places where you need to be somewhere at a date specific time and location. Two are actions that require you to do something at a specific date and time. So if you need to call the DMV between the hours of 8.30 and 9.30 on Tuesday morning, because that's when they told you to call you back, then that's when you need to do it. And therefore, that should go in your calendar. Then the third item is reference items that you need on a specific day. And he gives typically the example, I believe the example he gives is you have an airline booking ticket you know, and airline booking number, and you need to go ahead and take that flight number or that, that, that ticket number, and you throw that into your calendar as maybe an all-day event that doesn't take up the whole day, but, you know, it's just available to you uh, on that day so that you have it available to you uh, when you need it, because that's easy access, at least in terms of a digital calendar system. I suppose that it would work also in an agenda, right? Because if you just flip over into a physical agenda book and you have your flight number and your you know flight confirmation code uh, written there at the top of the day, then you have it at easy access. So this is the time we get to talk about 
how, how we organize. I'd like to, to spend some time talking about how each of us organizes the where and the how of organizing in GTD. And so I've been doing this since 2001. Over the past now 17 years, I have been organizing my projects, next actions, and the other items, whether that be reference someday maybe and so on and so forth. And this has this has been a very long road with many small derivations to this end point. So for those of you who are listening, don't expect to get to this point overnight. It really does take time to hone and technology changes. So unless you are literally using an all paper system with just paper and pen, the something will change. And therefore, you're going to need to adapt to that over time. So the system I say we that we all talk about today may not be the case tomorrow because a tool might go under. You know, a tool might lose a feature that is a fundamental feature that we absolutely need in order to run our GTD systems or other other productivity systems, etc. Right? Any number of things can happen that will change these. So do not consider any of these a a a Templar, uh, consider these a, a an examples uh, that you can pull flavors from. You know, it's 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 for you to be able to pull ingredients from, and and hopefully those ingredients will spark new recipes for yourself. So at least from the hard landscape perspective, my Google Calendar is my hard landscape tool. It's my time management tool of choice, and that's just because of its pure ubiquity. You know, I can access it anywhere because I use G Suite for business and Google Calendar personal or Google in, in, in personal life. Those two connect very well together so I can seamlessly integrate my work calendar and my personal calendar in one uh, view, whether I'm logged into my business account or if I'm logged into my personal. So that makes it very, very helpful. On the projects, next actions, and other items, uh, let's start with reference because I think that hen- ends up being kind of the hub for me. So I use Evernote as my as my reference hub. And Evernote does m- many other things for me, right? It, it handles m- many other productivity uh, systems within my world. But just relating to reference, I do that because it has tight integration with my task manager, my project management tools, and Google Calendar. So what I'm capable of doing is tracking my next actions and remember the milk. And remember the milk, uh, Augusto was talking about you know, forgetting milk when you come home from the grocery store. Well, uh, remember the milk is kind of based on that idea, right? That's where its name comes from. And the idea here is that remember the milk integrates with Evernote. And so I'm able to track my next actions in remember the milk. And if I if I capture something to Evernote and it is an it is action-based, uh, I just need to click on my integration with remember the milk and the Evernote note becomes a task item in Remember the Milk in my inbox, right? So now I can go ahead and organize it appropriately in Remember the Milk. And then I also use Asana and Trello for different parts of the business. So some projects are in Asana, some projects are in Trello, and that's just by virtue of my client base and how company develops. So that's what we do. And both of those, of course, integrate with Evernote, which means that they integrate through Evernote to remember the milk. And so that's how I actually keep everything synchronized today is that it's that 
it's that connecting piece between having those notes attaching my projects from Asana and Trello into Evernote. And then the projects list is actually managed in Remember the Milk. So remember, I track all of my actions in Remember the Milk. Asana and Trello are for project management, and therefore I'm only keeping my team apprised of what I'm doing in one of those tools. I am not tracking or managing tasks in those tools. So when I'm ready to do something, I'm always going to remember the milk in order to be able to do, to engage. Because if I were trying to look in Asana and Trello and everywhere else that things could possibly be, that's going to diffuse my focus and I would not be able to get as much done. Uh, and then finally, I did want to talk a little bit about, I, I do organize my my brainstorming material to mind maps, typically, either paper or digital. And so I use Mind42, which is an online tool. It's a very simple online tool. And I pay for the tool to get rid of the ads in the interface, but it's completely free. Otherwise, you can you can use it free with the ads. And I, I don't think it would be that disturbing, but I just wanted to support the project. And so mind the number four, the number two.com. And it's fantastic. I, I really, I really enjoy using it. And it imports and exports uh, to many different formats so that you're able to upload and download uh, locally. If you need to work offline, you can use a, a download a free uh, mind management tool like FreeMind, uh, which is an open source project. And you go ahead and uh, you know, download it from Mind42, work on it offline in FreeMind, re-upload it from FreeMind back into Mind42, and you're good to go. You know, so you have a lot of flexibility with regard to uh, mind mapping. But I do organize my brainstorming within the mind map. And then I usually will export that brainstorming mind map into my project plan in Evernote. And then that becomes the project. And so it becomes very easy for me to connect project support and or a project within the notes of an Evernote note and linking that back to my Remember the Milk project uh, later. Mine is actually pretty simple. I use OmniFocus and OmniFocus handle task and, and everything related with projects. I have Evernote that it works actually for me as a file, a digital file cabinet. You know, when I want a stuff that I need to file to maybe find in the future, I just forward the email to Evernote. And that's really the main use I have for Evernote. And the other thing I have that is in, in this particular moment changing is I have I have a notebook. And uh, what is changing now is I found an app on the iPad called GoodNotes 4 that allows me to do uh, bookmarks or digital bookmarks. So that way allow me to keep the information in there, but allows me to find it easy. Uh, I always have liked to have that notebook power, and I really enjoy having the ability to be able to go to the index and find the stuff, all the documents in here. So whatever is active that I need to have taking notes or reference or stuff, it's all in that digital notebook. And whatever is already for filing that I may or may not need in the future uh, gets to Evernote. The rest is on OmniFocus. Uh, and, and, and of course, I have a calendar. I, I obviously handle work, different projects, uh, personal. You know, we have two kids whose activities, my wife. So all that 
manage in the calendar, it's the way to do it. It's the, it's the easiest way to know where everything needs to be at what time. Are you using iCloud as your, as your hub for the calendaring system? I do. I do. Um, not for any reason uh, necessarily other than that's where they are today. Uh, there are some of the calendars, the family calendar is in iCloud. The work ones, some of them are Exchange, some of them are Google Calendar. The good news on the iOS is everything integrates seamlessly. So you you will not really know uh, if you look at it that I have three different systems. To connect what we were saying before, you know, that is where the organization is. You know, we are discussing three completely different systems that from the outside may look simple or incredibly complex. But the important part is the systems has two characteristics. One is what works for each one of us. But second, it allows to you know, give yourself that gift to find this stuff. Could you put everything on Post-it and dump it in a, in a box? Yes, you can. Are you going to be able to find this stuff? I don't know. Okay, for me, doesn't work. Okay, if I put everything on a on a post-it note and dump it in a box, most likely things are going to fill through the cracks and it's going to produce a lot more stress than is needed. It's not necessarily how we do it, is what is what you need to do for yourself to work, to get to that level in which you can trust that the quote-unquote, organization system you have will allow you to produce that sense of assurance that you will be able to find the right stuff at the right time most of the time. I, I wanted to talk very, very briefly before we go into challenges about some of the fundamentals of, of actions lists and projects lists because we talked about our systems and I think it's important for us to recognize that there are other other parts and I don't I don't want this to be a treatise uh, so you know I tried to stay steer our agenda away from from that but you know we, we do have some fundamental pieces that we didn't talk about right the someday maybe list the project plans where those things go and and we, we talked a little bit about waiting for and so on and so forth but I, w- I want us to to hone in on the next actions list and the projects list for some very key points here. David Allen uh, talks about the idea of using categories, uh, whether we call them contexts or otherwise, but categories for breaking our actions lists into into those categories. Right. So we we, we have multiple lists that that create our next actions lists. We don't have just one list. We have many lists in GTD. And in the next action space, we have even more lists, and they're broken up into some common ones. And he gives these common ones in the book. I'm reading from the March 2015 edition. He says, calls, at computer, errands, at office, at home, anywhere, agendas, which are for people and meetings, read slash review. So he gives here eight common lists to have as next actions lists. I think, I, like you, the context, you know, that he came, it, it's one of those things with that old, you know, the GTD system. And they vary from person to person, from reality to reality, you know. But there is one thing that is interesting, and I think it depends on the volume of next actions that a person has. 
there is a limit on how many actions you can see. And in my opinion, it's a screen on your main device. So if you look at your system on a phone, whatever is the number of items that you can see on a screen, that is the number, maximum number you should have in a category on, on any given time. Or if you suddenly notice, well, I have more than that, then you need to find and block some time to reduce it to that. And the reason is when you start having more than one screen full of, what tend to happen is you start missing stuff because you don't see it. Okay, Your brain can only make decisions on certain amount of things. And if you have 30 items, no, your brain cannot make a decision that easily as if you have 10. If you pay attention, then you will discover that you can group them better. And the second thing is... When you group them better, even if seems a lot more granular, what you are doing is you can you are able to batch work much better. You know, if you have on an old ad computer list, you know, 40 things and happen that seven of them are in Excel, it's much faster to have a context call at Excel where you are just going to tackle everything that required you to think on and a spreadsheet format, then go from different items and then go from one software to other to another one. Because Will allows you to keep that perspective of what you are doing in Excel to tackle stuff a lot more faster. I'll be the I'll be the GTD apologist at the moment and 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 make sure that I do note that David Allen actually covers this in the book and he does say here you'll probably find that at least a few of the following common list headings for next actions will make sense for you. And he does go into into detail about each of these lists and how they might be practical for you. And this is a list to cherry pick. This is not, you should take these eight categories and put them into your system and then voila, you're ready. And I can't impress upon people enough the importance of modifying a system to meet your specific needs. These are suggestions that he makes in the book and then he, he makes ideal principles. We don't live in a, an idyllic world. We live in the real world. And so take his ideals and adopt them as ideals. That's important. Uh, and then take his suggestions for things and cherry pick the things that work for you. And that becomes your GTD system. That doesn't become anyone else's. It's a very bespoke, very personal system that you're developing. And I think it's really important that we all take that to heart. I, I, I know that both Augusto and Art understands that, but I just wanted to make sure our listeners uh, did did hear me say that so that no one no one writes angry emails. <laughs> um, all right. So moving along, I, I want us to talk a little bit about the projects concept. And uh, and then I want to very, very briefly touch on uh, the, the challenge that Art was talking about, because I think it's, it's, a, it's a very good one for us to have a conversation about. And before you go there, I think it's important to also mention for the people, it doesn't matter what you call those. You know, they're... There was a time, there was a guy called Robert Pick that worked for the David Allen Company. I don't know if he's still with, uh, with them or not, but he had a, he had a, a context call at brain death, okay? That was all the things he did when he was exhausted and were things of low priority, you know, low, low everything, but that he needed to, you know, when he was reaching those walls, it was the context to go and see. So you can really be as creative 
as you needed to, to be able to move your stuff forward. So don't think that you need to be limited to a rational kind of context or a certain kind of context or a certain way to do them. They can be whatever they need to be in order to help you move forward your own stuff. Definitely. And so in in organizing, we have projects lists, and those projects lists also have project support plans. And that just means having materials that might be associated with a project organized in as few places as possible. I don't think we need to really uh, dive into this too deeply in this, in this cast, but we will certainly talk about it, I'm sure, in future episodes, which is the idea that you need to uh, manage your projects lists effectively. And I, I think it's something that is very, very powerful if done right. But I, I think project management is for another day. And let's let's move on, though, to the challenges that people face when organizing tied into the frequent problem people have with either uh, collecting in too many places, they then organize in too many places. And that just creates a, a whole host of problems. And to be quite honest, sometimes you're forced to organize in multiple places. For example, if you have a, a home productivity system and a work productivity system, because you have to keep them separate for any number of reasons, uh, forced into this uh, world where you have two, two systems and that might create some levels of redundancy. I don't have a problem with redundancy as long as it helps to make you more productive or at least helps you to be more productive. And that's the important part is to figure out what parts are going to need to overlap so that you don't have things fall through the cracks, uh, but also to give you uh, safety, that, that psychological safety to explore and experiment and be creative and problem solve in a, a comfortable space, if that makes any sense to anyone. And I'm, I'm happy to further explain if it doesn't. But that's that's kind of the idea there is to figure out, it, it may, there may be a little bit of messiness if you have, in your case, art, a little bit of digital, a little bit of analog. But as long as it's working, there there's probably a healthy tension there. You know, like there is in relationships, you know, romantic relationships always talk about this concept of healthy tension. And, uh, and, and the, the idea there is to, is to keep you on your toes, to keep you focused on that material and, and keep that there. But it should be working for you, not working against you. You know, like art, I have checklists for organizing my organization. And the reason for that is I'm trying to be kind with the non-so-intelligent part of myself. For example, I have a list for when I travel, everything that should be in there. I Could I think about it every time? Yes, I can. But the reality is that it's helped me to be a lot more organized and a lot more prepared. That instead of thinking every time I'm going to travel, okay, what I need to carry? No, I just pull the list and do it. And like that, I have a list for when we get our daughter to the swimming competitions when there is a lot of things that contain those checklists to make sure that the organization is organization i have to this day a weekly review checklist why because i want to make sure that regardless what is my level of exhaustion or tiredness or not okay or awareness I go and cover every step. What those things allow me to do is to organize in a simpler way. If you need to have the things on 10 places or on one place, 
doesn't matter as far as you are making sure that one, you are checking them, and second, all those 10 places make you more productive. The problem comes when you have all those, and instead of being more effective or more productive or more organized, all that you are doing is busy work. This has been a fantastic discussion. Thank you, gentlemen. In closing, uh, I just want to make sure that we are, uh, we're, uh, next week we are talking about the review and reflection um, area of getting things done. So in the next episode, uh, look out for us in our discussion about reviewing and reflecting within the GTD methodology. This is going to be a really fun discussion, I think, very informative discussion, because I think there's a lot of material here where people sometimes get conflated with what is the weekly review and that which is just review and reflection. And while the weekly review is a fundamental piece, we'll talk about that in, in, a, in its own separate episode, we really are going to get into the details of reviewing and reflecting. So do you have a question or comment about this cast or something we discussed? If you're listening uh, from any from anywhere other than the podcast website, uh, we invite you to jump over to productivitycast.net forward slash 041, the episode number. There at the bottom of the page, you can go ahead and leave a comment or question. One of us will be glad to respond. Here on productivitycast.net forward slash 041, you'll uh, you'll find the show notes. Uh, so links to anything we discussed are easier to jump to from the show notes, and you can learn how to subscribe to the podcast on the website. So that's great. Uh, do you have any, uh, if you have another question about personal productivity, please visit productivitycast.net forward slash contact, and you can either leave a voice based message or a text based message, and that'll shoot out to us and we'll be happy to respond either uh, to you directly or if it's pertinent here on the show. Uh, thanks to Augusto and Art for joining me here on this cast. And if you could, please add a rating or review on iTunes or Stitcher for kudos and to help us grow our personal productivity community uh, of listeners. So thank you. That brings us to the close of this episode of Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things productivity. Thank you, Art and Augusto, for joining me here today. That's it for this Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things productivity, with your hosts, Ray Sidney Smith and Augusto Pinaud, with Francis Wade and Art Gelwicks.